issued five warnings. A lot of people believe these warnings are for sinners. But in actuality, I believe it's warning to saints. And so tonight as we see this first warning on the slipping towards neglect. First of all, I want you to see in the passage, there is a caution to heed. Therefore, we ought to give, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed. Don't let that word earnest, it means to make a down payment, it means to, to invest, to, to make a, an investment in something that you're buying into. The more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Let me say, first of all, there has to be an acceptance of the word. The things which we have heard. This is someone that takes every opportunity to hear God's word. I believe this with all my heart. I believe every service that goes on at the house of God, every revival service, every, every time you get to hear the word of God, I believe there's something God has in that service for individually you. I, I, liken, I always liken it this way. God has prepared a, 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 a big cake and he slices it up. Some people like a lot of icing, some people don't. And he slices that cake up and he has a piece for every person here tonight. That, that your slice might have come in a testimony that was given. But in, it might come in a song that was sung. Every, every service, God has a word for you, but we've got to be willing to hear what that word is. See, the reality is the Bible says in the last days, the last days there'll be a famine of the hearing of the word of God. And so notice, now, but this is somebody that not only takes every opportunity to hear the word of God, but this is someone who's not offended because of the truth of the word of God. But rather, this is a person that's improved because of the truth of the word of God. Has the idea of you hearing truth, accepting truth, and letting truth make you better. I want to be better than what I was before today. I want, when, I, when God's done, I want to be better. Tomorrow, if I read his word, I want the word to make me better. Bible says in Psalms 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing and nothing shall offend them. You realize if somebody wants to hear the word, they won't get offended by the word. Not only that, but this is someone who accepts and allows the truth of the word to operate in their heart. Amos, again, Amos 8, 11, I said it earlier. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. The Bible talks about, in the last days, men would have ears, but they couldn't hear, have eyes, but they can't see. You say, well, I see in my ears on the side of their head. The reality is, 
we, God, they shut their ears and closed their eyes to the things of God long enough, they become deaf to them. They don't hear. I want to be able to hear what God has to say to me. A door-to-door salesman knocked on the door, and a lady came to the door and said, Do you own a Bible? This is years ago. We don't do much of that anymore. But years ago, and she said, I certainly do. He said, well, ma'am, do you read it regularly? She said, oh, yes. So she sent her daughter to go get her uh, the Bible out of the drawers of the coffee table. And she, she brought the Bible to her. She handed it to her. And in, in handing it to her, her glasses fell out. She said, oh, my goodness. I've been looking for them for three years. Somebody's a line. Somebody had read that Bible. The truth is there must be an accepting of the Word of God. Number two, there has to be an adhering to the Word of God. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed. That word heed is that we take God at what He says. There's something happening in our land today, and it's been happening for, for a few years now, but every... It used to be every year it got worse. Now it's getting every month. No, every day it's getting worse. And there is, there's no, in Romans 3.18, it says there's no fear of God before their eyes. People have no, the lost have no fear of God. They have just no fear. They know, and many of them know, but there's just no fear. What's scary is a lot of God's people have no fear. Now, I'm not talking about fear that boxes you up in your house or the stronghold of fear that controls you. I'm talking about a fear of God and an awe and respect of Him. There's no fear of God. And... Um, uh, and it, it's sad, but there has to be an adhering to the word of uh, the Lord. People, a lot of times, and, and, I, and I appreciate this, don't, don't tell me wrong, they'll say, boy, that, that's a good message. But be honest with you, the only good message is the one that changes people's lives. I, I like what Dr. Sexton, Clarence Sexton says. I don't preach to be heard I preach to be repeated. When he first said that, that didn't click with me. I, I, I thought, what, why'd he say that? And I've heard him say that, I don't speak to be heard, I speak to be repeated. And, and, and the more I thought about it, I thought, that's true. What he's saying is, I don't want you just hearing what I'm saying, I want you to take and hear what I say and let it change your life and change your speech. And whatever you are, you'll talk about, right? And so he said, I, I, I don't want to be heard. I want to be repeated. Well, Christ Sexton said it means that you've got it because it's on your heart. But a lot of times we don't hear accepted. So how can we heed? Ski Resort, Colorado, one winter. They posted signs and Instructing skiers to danger out of bounds. Don't don't go here. It's dangerous. However, there was oh I don't know 
four or five of them decided not. They were smarter than the people running the resort. So they wanted to, they wanted to ski, so they skied anyway. And avalanche took, I think they killed like five of them, died in avalanche because they did not heed the warning. Danger out of bounds. I, and a lot of times, that, that slipping starts there. Slipping don't start in your feet or your legs. It starts in your heart whenever we don't hear and we don't heed what does saith the word of God. I love this story. A group of applicants were waiting to be interviewed for a job as a wireless, as a wireless operator. They were all sitting in, in, a, in a waiting room. Nobody was paying attention to the dots, sounds that was coming over the intercom. About that time, one young man jumped up, run to the door, went in, come back out and said, Hallelujah, I got the job. And they said, how did you get the job when you wasn't interviewed? He said, well, if you'd been paying attention, he said, the, you might have been considered, if you hadn't been so busy talking, didn't hear the manager's message. Here was the message. The man I need must always be on the alert. The first one who interprets this message and comes directly into my office will be hired on the spot. That was a message. Now he's talking about a wireless operator. And only one, the room full, only one. So there's a caution that we need to heed. But number two, there's a condition we need to halt. He said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now that word... Um, slipping has two great meanings. First of all, it means to drift away. Here's what it means. It describes a ship that has been um, tied to the dock, but slowly and, 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 and silently it starts moving. It, it's just a little bit every day comes... A little bit untied, starts drifting and moving. It, it doesn't do it in a hurry. It doesn't happen fast. But it slowly starts moving from where it's been anchored. That's why slipping has the idea of drifting. The word means to drift. And so it's a slow process. It's those, uh, he, he, writes, he said, we're not careful. We're not careful. We don't become firmly anchored. We'll, and I said it this morning, and I'll say it again tonight. If there's ever a time we need to be anchored in some things, it's now. How many understand this world is going off the deep end at a, no, at a breakneck speed? It's going off. And, and here's what's the first of the year doesn't look much better. More craziness. So we need to be anchored. And so this is not a sudden dramatic, but it's a slow, gradual matter. And we begin to drift slowly and surely until we find out we've drifted away from God. The longer I'm in ministry, the more I see this happening. They used to be faithful. They used to be dependable. Yet, somewhere along the way, 
they begin to drift. You you talk to them, no, I'm I'm not I'm not going to get out of the will of God. No, I'm not. But and they don't intend to. It's not an intention. It's just a slow slipping, drifting, just a slow drifting away. Not only that, but the but the meaning has another meaning. It means to drift apart. The word slip has the meaning of a wedding ring slipping off your hand. It means that. It means to slip out of your hand. It has the idea of slipping means to drift apart as a husband and wife drifts apart. You know what the saddest thing I can imagine is to be married 30, 40 years and look across the table and say, who are you? I used to know you. And we got a lot of young families and they got kids and that's wonderful and I love kids. But let me remind you, those kids are going to leave. Hopefully. Some of you may have your kids to your hundred. I don't know, but your kids, but ordinarily, your kids going to leave one day. <laughs> and some kids are just so lovable, you just keep them around forever. <laughs> but most of your kids are going to leave. And what's sad is, when they leave, and it ought to be the very best time of your life. I was thinking the other day, me and Darlene, we just, well, they, there's times we, we didn't have two good nickels rubbed together. I'm, I'm just kidding. I, you didn't ask her. Well, there's times bills was tight and we just, we just didn't have hardly nothing much. And we were trying to raise the kids and we was trying to, we, we was thinking about Christmas and trying to do something there and, you know, just, just all, just, there was times raising our youngins, it was, it, it was, very challenging. And but we did. God helped us. And we got them we got them raised and we got them married. And and now it's their husband's time to pay their bills and take care of them. And uh, and they can't bring them back. And uh, so now we and that, please don't don't boo me out. We I got a little bit more money than we had then. We got more money we had then. Uh, if we want to go stop and get a hot dog, we can get a hot dog. I remember a day we couldn't get a hot dog because we couldn't afford a hot dog. We can now. We, we got the money. We can pretty well do what we want. I, I'm, I'm thankful. I don't have a wife to miss Hermit. She don't never want to shop. She don't never do anything much. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I don't have to fight that battle. But I'm just simply saying, I'm just simply saying, we, we're living in the best time of our life. I love my grandbabies, but I'm telling you, when they get on my nerves, call your mama. Get your mama over here. And, and we send them home. Now, we love them. We want to keep them. We want to take We want to influence their life. Let me stop here and say this. Let, let me just throw this out because you need to hear this. She requested prayer for Jessica. You, you don't have but one opportunity. 
Moms and dads, you don't have but one opportunity to influence those kids. There's some folks here not here tonight. Them missing service tonight's not the big deal. They're missing opportunity to influence those kids. And you grandparents, you better not push those grandbabies away. You've got an opportunity to influence their lives. And if you can influence their lives now, they're little. You think they ain't no big deal. No, it is a big deal. You get to influence their lives now. You'll have an influence when they're 16 or 17. But if you don't influence them now, you will not have that influence at 16 or 17. Guarantee you that. So we realize here that we need to influence them. So, but, oh, but this drifting away. See, a ring symbolizes an unending love. And, and, and it, but yet it just, it just slips off. Has slipped, drifting apart. We used to, to be lovers. Now we're not even good friends. And so the ideal is drifting apart. And may I say, the Bible says, give heed. He said, therefore, give the more earnest heed. Give the more earnest heed. Had the ideal of what Revelation 2, 4 said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. That first love doesn't mean I don't love darling as much now as I did that first love. That first love is an exciting love. You do whatever. I mean, I've got my car and went flying down the road to see her. You ought to do that when you're married 40 years. <laughs> Tammy, just come on up. We'll have a special prayer for you right now. <laughs> and we need to, it has the ideal. has the ideal. Therefore, give them more earnest heed. You ought to give them more earnest heed that you start letting it slip. So there's a caution to heed. There's a condition to halt. But then there's a course we must hold. Here's how you do it. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, has the ideal of being awareness of sin. Uh, it gives two conditions here. Because... It's inevitable. When you start slipping, then you're closer to sin than what you was if you're not. Let, let, let's just say, let's just say this, this pew line right here is sin. And, but you're not slipping. You're right where you need to be. You, you'll stay. There's, there's a buffer between you and sin. But I want you, when you start slipping, you start getting closer to sin. And has the idea of being aware of it. Notice he said transgression. That's violating or breaking the law of God. It's a sin of commission. When you do something, when you start slipping, you're just a step away from starting to commit sins that you know is not right. You'll, you'll start, you say, not me, I'm not me. Oh, yes, you, me, either one. A Christian out of the will of God is as ungodly at times than the lost man is, sometimes worse. So there is that transgression. And notice the disobedience means inattention. It's a sense of omission. In other words, 
you'll, you'll, you'll start doing stuff you shouldn't do. But worse than that, when you start slipping, you'll stop doing what you know you ought to do. You'll stop being a witness. You'll stop reading your Bible. You'll stop praying. And so it comes to a place of neglect. There is an awareness of sin, but then we must hold constantly to the appreciation of salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You know what he's saying? He's saying, what ought to motivate us to never slip towards neglect is the fact of the greatness of our salvation. I don't know if we comprehend the greatness of what God has done for us. Do you understand tonight that apart from Christ, we'd all go to hell? No hope. No, no one to pray to. Those in this world lost without Jesus, they've got nobody. Could you know what? Could you not, could you not understand? they got nobody. They're, they're having to trust in the government. Lord, how discouraging. The reality is, without Christ, see, when God saved you, He didn't just give you fire insurance out of hell, but He gave you somebody to help you every single day of our life. He gave you somebody you can pray, somebody you can call on. By the way, He put people around you that you could call on to help you pray. Amen. He did. Isn't it amazing? When you need help, you don't call the fellow that runs the liquor store. You don't call that reprobate you work with. You don't call that rascal ain't doing right. You'll call people that you know or believe they can pray. Why? Because that's family. And you call family for help. And oh my goodness, what a great an appreciation of salvation. Because salvation has been preached, it's been passed, it's been proven. Testimony service. Pastor ended the service and asked anyone if they had a testimony. Several stood up, talked about how good God had been to them. About that time, an elderly man stood up and said, I want one of them. I want one of them. Pastor didn't know exactly how to do or what to do with that. So somebody else testified. And finally, after a while, that person sat down. And that old man jumped up and said, I said, I want one of them. Pastor said, sir, what? Why is it you're wanting? He said, I want one of them. I want a testimony. I don't have a testimony because I don't know your God, but I want one of them. The pastor said, well, you'll just come on up. Just come on up. We'll take a Bible and show you how you can be saved. He bowed and asked Christ to come in his heart and save him. He just said, hallelujah, I got one. I got one now. I'm not much. I'm not much. And let me just let me share something with you. If we have a testimony, we ought to share it. I'm not much of these secret Christians that never tell anyone. 
about Jesus. If you are a Christian, you ought to have a testimony. Now, I appreciate the testimonies that's in the church. I do. I thank God for that. But what about the testimony to your family? Your family ought to know where you stand, what you believe. Saddest thing I don't want anybody to ever do, and I've asked this question thousands of times, go by a graveside and do a funeral, and I say, did they know Jesus? And them tell me, I, I, I'm just not sure. Just recently, a lady called me and told me her, her sister-in-law had died. These, these great Christians, we are. And I said, well, was your sister-in-law saved? And she just began to weep. She said, you know, I'm so ashamed. I never asked her. I never ask her. We we got to get past that. We we do. And you need to just be point blank. You said they'll get mad. Well, if you do it the right way, they might get mad. They get over it. You want to just ask them. I love you, and I'm concerned. This world's going crazy. That's one know. How many of you believe Jesus could come in the next few days? How many of you really believe that? Then how much do you believe it enough to say to that brother, sister, mom, dad, I just need to know, you say, do you know Christ? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Because I'm going to tell you something. When they're gone, you don't have that opportunity. You can't do that. Now, it's wonderful. It's wonderful if you have somebody, I went to see Miss Sally over to, at the rest home. I didn't have to ask her if she was saved. She told me. I love that. I, uh, she told me about when she got saved. and She told me. You know, she, she, she made a point to let me know. Boy, ain't it wonderful when you have that. But when it don't, we got it because... You don't want one day to look at you and blood dripping from your hands and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? So let's never lose sight of what it means to be a child of God. Never lose the wonder of it all. I don't want to lose the wonder of it all. And um, I really don't. And so I read this as a man wrote into the Daily Bread. It was an article up here, a devotional book that they sent out. Say, and wrote in, so I'd like to receive a copy of our daily bread, the daily medication booklet. And the editor laughed because it meant meditation. But then he thought, no, I'm just not going to correct her. He said, I'll just send her the books because it is good daily medication. Let's not wait to have to deal with the neglect. Let's deal with the slipping. Look around. Those that sit next to you, somebody around you. Give them a call. Miss you at the house of God. Is everything okay? Is everything okay? Let's not, let's not do it. Let's do our part. And maybe stop the slipping 
so we don't end up with the neglect. Because when they neglect, it's very, very hard to ever reach them back. So let's, let's do what we can to help folks that may be slipping. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.